You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 147 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me back in the kitchen studio after the massive New Year break that we've just had in Christmas break, it's Matt Smith. <laughs> hello, hello. Uh, hello. I should just stress, uh, despite what the uh, the uh, pod, the you know the the, the podcasts seem to have begun, I haven't been in my caravan for three weeks. <laughs> I, sh- I should just stress that. Yeah. <laughs> I did think that actually earlier today when I was at work. I thought yeah. anyone who's listened to the podcast for the last few weeks would think, God, Matt's been in that caravan. Yeah, absolutely. Such a yeah, long absolutely. Time. I've, just, I've just moved into the caravan. I've never. I'm not coming home. But uh, yes. He's this here. is true. Yes, yeah. Welcome to episode one four seven, and rather miraculously, it is only two minutes past seven. We've started I on know, time. We've started on time. <laughs> Round of applause! Yay. Yeah, <clears throat> uh-huh. yes. So it is the thirteenth of January. It's Friday. Oh, Friday the thirteenth. Oh, oh uh, dear. Uh oh. What and were we, we started thinking? on time. And we started on time. What does that mean? Oh. That, that's, oh. that's not an omen, omen or anything, is it? Yeah. It's a bit scary. Dun, dun, um, dun. I know we need some sound effects for that. No, really, we don't. We? Don't. Um, no, right, we so the don't. chat room. <laughs> chat room's yes, got loads absolutely. of lovely listeners in who have mm. joined us for our first show of 2017. Jennifer Parkinson's in there. Uh. Greetings to you for in, uh, in Rome there. Uh, Glenn Towler, Pilot Pip, he's in there. Uh, oh. Glenn Towler, yeah, Stuart Backer, uh, Liz Piper. Uh, we've got the main man, Micah. The legend that the is legend the main man. man. And, of course, the star of our last episode, episode 146, which, of course, was our marvellous Farnborough footage. Yes, yes. Uh, we have got, uh, who else we've got? Tony S. Yeah. Is in there as well. And, uh, and oh, some, some chap called Jeff Nielsen. Well, I've heard of him. Yeah, he's a yeah. he's a he's, he's, a, he's yeah. a famous. I don't bloke. know. It rings he's a bell, f- definitely. Liz Piper. Liz Piper's in there as well. Yes. Greetings to you, Liz. Yep. And Masha is in there as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we've got lots of awesome people in the chat room joining yeah, us. Nice this and busy. Nice and busy. So hopefully you're all safe and well and warm wherever you are in yeah. the uh, in the in the world. Warm uh, being the if you're word. in the UK at the moment. When I last looked at the weather station outside, it was uh, about two degrees. Yes, absolutely. Celsius. And we have, and I know Carlos is always very sniffy about this, but here in the east of England. Which is, it's very, uh, we've got a very rare weather event occurring because <laughs> we do actually have some snow, ladies we and gentlemen. Did. Yeah, and no, right, we did. Yeah, it actually began with yeah, S okay. and ended yeah, with W. Was, yeah, but you say, yeah, yeah, yeah you say that. Uh, however, I mean, and, and uh, on a serious note, actually, uh, on the, the Far East, sort of Lowestoft and Galston and all around there, actually, uh, the people are being evacuated from their homes and things. So actually, the floods, yeah. yeah know, from actual yeah. flooding. Not so much to do with the snow, but um, very, very high do you know what, storm. Surges. I woke up at about four o'clock this morning. I thought it was daylight. Really? The moon. Oh, I see. Yes, it was a yeah. full moon. It was just, yeah. oh, you know, it was scary. Yeah, full moon. Yes, absolutely. But we do have someone else. That we do. Uh, on the show here. And as we are mm. talking about, well, LAG, he's looking side to side. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, it gives me great pleasure to welcome. Yeah, absolutely. Tech support. <laughs> he's looking for help. Yes, he's, he's found what the weird burning smell was in his studio. Uh, uh, it gives, gives us great pleasure to welcome the legend that is from NevTech. It is the legend that is Neville Bounds. Hello, Neville. Yeah, hello, Matt. Hi, uh, Carlos. And uh, thanks for having me on the show again. And, uh, yes, here I am in the NevTech studio. Had a bit of a technical moment just before yes. we came on air. Yes. Uh, there was some burning smell going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But I think we're okay. Uh, yeah, I've, I've put out the control. fire yeah, and the cat is okay. <laughs> Everything's just well, fine. As long as the cat's fine. As long as the cat's fine. <laughs> yes. uh, greetings to, uh, to one of uh, the, the latest followers on our Facebook page, actually. Uh, Matthew Buntingframe is, uh, is a join us in the chat room. 
he's in now. I noticed he'd popped up on Facebook earlier this week on, uh-huh. our, on our page as a like. So thank you for that, Matthew. Fantastic. Thank you. That is fantastic, I know. So we've had we've all had a Christmas break. I hope you've all had a fantastic Christmas break with mm. your family and friends and uh, a good New Year's Eve uh, parties wherever you were in the I world. I had an amazing New Year's Eve. You, you did I didn't, and that's all I'm going to say. Okay, right. okay. I, I worked New Year's <laughs> Eve in my DJing capacity, and it was yeah. rubbish. Anyway, how did you get on New Year's Eve? Uh, I had a lovely time, I have to be honest. I went out for yeah. a meal with friends and uh, with with my best friend, Geordie, and uh, his lovely uh, better half, uh, the lovely Jill. And uh, we saw it in not the most amazing locations. Anybody who's ever been to Yarmouth will understand why I've said that. Um, and it was a lovely place called the Marine Pub. But actually, do you know what? It was an incredible night out. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, we won't talk about the DJ. Uh, we'll... Gloss, uh, gloss mm. over it and move on because it was shocking. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard anything like it. And uh, but uh, just saw saw the new year and then went and stood outside and of course they had a massive firework display mm. on the beach and that was You're lucky. That was absolutely <laughs> incredible. That was really really nice. Yeah. Yes, I remember you did send me the picture just to make I me did. feel yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, 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 and it did look yeah. lovely. Uh, yeah. I, I, I even sent him pictures of the amazing food I was consuming yeah. as well. That also went down like a lead balloon. But uh, hey. Hey, yeah. you know, hey ho! I wasn't working on New Year's Eve for a change. I was being paid, though. Well, there is that. Yes. There is that. How about you, Nev? What were you doing on New Year? A quietish one, uh, but uh, yeah, went out with some friends uh, for went round to their house actually on New Year's Eve, uh, and uh, I'm off the booze for the whole of January. So uh, I was driving the car, so it wasn't a big problem. But although I'm going to call it a mildly moist January because mm. uh, I've got a uh, customer event to go to on the 19th of. Uh, January in right. Glasgow, and I'm not going to be drinking Diet Coke all evening right. when I'm up there. Uh, but that's just a, a little blip. So is, is, is this is this for uh, sort of like a, a dry January type sort of thing, or just yes. uh, just for, yeah. just One to see if you still can manage? Well, I, I need to because <laughs> December was so shocking with uh, company and industry yes, events. Yes. I mean, honestly, I'm amazed that the liver wasn't entirely right. pickled. Good. So, okay. so uh, it's more yeah. sort of self-preservation, really, rather that's than it. anything yes. else. Absolutely. So yeah. Christmas present wise then guys um i obviously got an amazing present uh, this yes, christmas from yes, my indeed. wife Gemma, and part of it is on the wide shot here for those of you who go, are watching live in the chat room <laughs> you'll be able to see part of part of the uh, the christmas present i got from Gemma. so talk um, me through for those who are listening on the magic that is uh, the the <laughs> podcast talk me through what we're seeing on the screen at the moment it's an airplane obviously it, it, well i uh, i've kind of called it because uh, uh, i put the one the pictures on twitter so for right, those of you listening okay. and watching yeah. on twitter or whatever, uh, you've already you seen it you've seen it but uh, i call it the mad dog it's uh, i think okay. it's based loosely on, on an md82 right. md80 okay, md82 uh, and uh, not you can't see it here, but there are there's a, a um, an actual airport, a whole airport with security lounge, uh, all the bits and pieces, and there's also a um, a little uh, truck, uh, you know, the little trucks, the baggage trucks mm. and stuff that go with, and the air stairs. There's also a set of air stairs that go with this as well, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, actually, Matthew Bunting frames yes. has said yeah. he said it's it's possibly a CRJ two. It could be actually a CRJ two hundred. Oh, yeah, 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 probably yeah. Yeah, Glen Town has just gone with a mad pup. Mad pup, yeah. I like that. This yeah. is also, you can see here, this has actually got foldable wingtips on oh, here, which dear, is quite look. good. Yeah. Um, but actually inside, I was telling Matt before we start the show, at the rear of the aircraft, there are actually toilets. Mm-hmm. And at the front, there is a galley 
Um, there with, actually uh, is. We, we slide outdoors and everything. <laughs> it's, 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 it's brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So that's that was that was your Christmas. <laughs> that present. was my that was my Christmas present. What what do you get, Matt? Anything exciting? Um. Well, we don't really do presents in in our household. I just uh, got you a no, present. No, I know. I know. I know. So so the, the present that I've just got. Um. Hang on. I'm just going to put it on the wide shot again because that's probably the easiest thing. There we go. I've got this. I, now it, it does at the moment resemble some kind of weird and magical Rubik's Cube because um, it's, it's a sort of a bag of, of many forms so I'm looking forward to unearthing the various mm. levels of it uh, momentarily but uh, uh, this, this is a very kind present from the lovely Carlos and Gemma some of you may have heard of them uh, and um, this is uh, uh, for my travels obviously because I've got to uh, I've got quite a trip yeah, he's got ahead a of bit me, of a trip um, next year he's a bit yeah. scared about but anyway, that's fine. so what did you get Nev what did uh, Mrs Nev uh, purchase you apart from socks this year obviously socks yeah <laughs> yes. well we, we kind of don't redo really big presents these days because not being funny we've we've got most things between us so we tend to buy each other clothes vouchers and, and that kind of stuff so uh and because i've got to save up some money for things going on later this year yes, uh, i don't want to spend too much money at christmas so some very modest things uh, but yes vouchers and tokens and that that kind of stuff oh good Greetings, Myla. Myla's joined us in the, uh, in the chat room. Myla! Hello. Hello, Aww. Myla. Haven't seen you for ages, I Myla. Know. What are you doing? She show. needs to get over to Pittsburgh next year. She does. Yeah, yes, exactly. Next year? It's this year now, this boy. Year, sorry, this year. <laughs> oh, God. There we go. Look. May is rapidly approaching. May is rapidly. Yeah, it's, yeah. It'll, it'll soon be here. So ho- hopefully those, some of you in the chat room will be, will be uh, joining mm. us in Pittsburgh in mm. May. Uh, it'll be good to uh, see some more of our lovely listeners. Yes, absolutely. Liz has just said, can't wait to meet you guys there. Really looking forward to it. Woo-hoo. It's going to be good. It's, it is good. Ah, so, <sighs> well, pff, ah, there we go. That's the start of the show. We, we've got lots of news stories to get through right. this week. We've okay. also got a segment from Pilot Pip as yes, well. Yes, we have. Uh, for the show. He's talking about uh, simulators, yes, uh, aircraft yep. simulators. And uh, we've got a little splittering of uh, a few nice military stories as well to uh, to, to go this week. Um, but some of the stories we have in the commercial section are rather interesting. They are very that. <laughs> yes, they are indeed. So we're going to kick off the show then, as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> and if you're ready, Nev. Yeah, ready when you are. Let's go. So this week's first news story then, kicking off our first show of 2017, is on the Telegraph website. And uh, the uh, <laughs> the interesting headline that goes with pictures as well, Matt will put these on while I'm doing the story, but uh, the headline, de-icing with, or de-icing with death, mm-hmm. rather than dicing with death, Indeed. de-icing with death. Airline staff raise eyebrows with rudimentary defrosting technique. Rudimentary, I, I think, is doing it a terrible disservice, I frankly. No. Uh, the, so the, uh, the story then, two ground staff at an airport in Turkey took a novel approach to de-icing an aircraft earlier this week by pouring what appeared to be the contents of a large bottle of water over the wing. Passengers on board the Turkish Airlines plane watched as the two men in high-vis jackets balanced on a ladder, uh, leaning against a wing and then sloshing a large bottle of liquid onto the ice. Uh, In a video captured by one of the passengers, which you can see with those of you in the YouTube chat room, you'll see that uh, the bottle looks like one that is used in an office dispenser, the water dispenser is in an office. Uh, Whether it contained water or de-icer is unclear. (laughs) 
Looks uh, very sh- much like water. The shambolic <laughs> scenario at uh, San Lurifer San Lu- San Airport took an even stranger turn when one of the men, by accident or design, let the bottle roll down the icy wing, dispensing the mystery fluid as it went. The bottle then hit the main fuselage with a thump and uh, was half full still, precariously balanced and out of reach by the two men. It's unclear whether the two high-vis jacket individuals are employed by Turkish Airlines or the airport and uh, how they managed to retrieve the bottle after their escapades. When the video was shared on social media, uh, the world's av geeks were quick to offer their opinions. Uh, there was a lot of pointing and laughing. While some of them um, shared their experiences of other uh, unconventional de-icings as well uh, on Twitter. So if you go to uh, take your eyes over to the telegraph.co.uk website, you'll be able to see uh, this particular picture. Oh, Matt's got some noise coming from his laptop. Yeah, it was supposed to be the video, the other video, that one. There you go. You can just see. Sounds like another Windows update to me. Yeah, possibly. Yes, absolutely. Uh, they say, "I'm not." What, what's, what's that? They're using a rope look to take the snow off the. That's a rather interesting way of de-icing an aircraft. It's. It's not. I don't think it's manufacturer recommended, is it? No. Uh, <laughs> that's. So that's probably one of the most interesting stories we'll start the year off with. Yeah. Then uh, I don't quite know how uh, how that uh, style of de-icing is um, is 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 hmm. legal uh, or uh, is correct. Hmm. I, now, I that's definitely. I mean, we were we were de-iced uh, on the way back from Vegas earlier last year, and uh, I remember the de-icing machines that they use were not like that. I quite so. like this tweet here. It says, this is how you how to do it, Turkish Airlines. Watch and learn. And uh, as you can see on the picture, if you're watching on YouTube, you know, that's how it's supposed to be done with trucks. and de you know, trucks, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Wait, well, what are your uh, thoughts on this nervous um, kind of... Um... I, I don't think that's a standard operating procedure to you. There's, there's something not <laughs> quite right. Not, yeah. <laughs> Unless the de-icing boys are on strike or something. Uh, mm. <laughs> well, there is that. <laughs> Matthew Bunting frame in the uh, chat room has put that uh, in Kentucky that would be full of bourbon. <laughs> now, that probably would work very well as a method of, uh, of, of de-icing. I think the alcohol content would uh, be yeah. a terrible waste, of course. Uh, that is the other issue there. Uh, <laughs> Interesting story. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll leave. Actually, I think Jeff was actually talking about de-icing in one of his uh, latest APG episodes, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, so... Um, Yes, I, I'm slowly catching up. I have to say, I, I've, I've I've enjoyed a couple of weeks off, and uh, as I say, I've, I even actually caught one live. Yeah, I did hear you were in the <laughs> chat room. Yeah, I, I did hear you were in the chat room. Yeah, it was about four o'clock in the morning, but nevertheless, I it, did hear that as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So moving on oh. to the uh, next story, which uh, is all yours, Matt. Indeed, this is on the U.S. news it's website. good news as well. Is it? I do like Well, it is for news. Boeing anyway. Uh, right, excellent. So India's low-cost airline to buy up to 205 new Boeing planes. India's low-cost airline SpiceJet. Really? SpiceJet? Mm, that, is, uh, <laughs> that is correct, yeah. <laughs> okay. Right, it's just it's a bit of a cliche, isn't it? You know, it's like India's famous for its spices. Yeah, and spi- yeah. No, okay. Well, it plans to buy up to 205 next-generation Boeing planes worth 22 billion dollars in a major deal to expand its domestic and international operations Uh, so uh, a joint statement by the two companies on Friday said that the planes booked at the end of 2016 include 100 new Boeing 737 MAX 8, 42 MAXs uh, 13 additional 737 MAXs as well as uh, purchase rights for an additional 50 
planes. SpiceJet is India's fourth largest airline by number of passengers carried with a market share of 12.9%. It flies more than 300 daily flights to 41 Indian and international destinations. Uh, the Boeing 737 class of aircraft has been the backbone of our fleet since SpiceJet began in 2005 with its high reliability, low operation econo economies and comfort, says a name I'm not even going to begin to try and pronounce. Uh, Spice, but he is nevertheless the Spice Jet. Chairman, chairman and managing director yeah. Ray Connor, a top Boeing official, said that the economics of the 737 Maxes would allow SpiceJet to profitably open new markets, expand connectivity within India and beyond. India's booming economy and growing middle class have helped to make it the world's fastest growing air travel market. The number of passengers grew 20%, 20% last year. That's a huge mm. jump, isn't it? And airlines are announcing flights to new destinations in the country almost every week. Domestic air passengers are expected to jump from the current 70 million to 300 million by 2022. So by the time that the Qatar um, football World Cup has, is taking place, which is in the same year, is that 300 million people mm. will be travelling. And the, the scary thing is, is 500 million by 2027. The Indian, the Indian aviation market is, is growing massively. I mean, it's I, talked it's about many shows, it? but the, the, you know, the amount of uh, passengers that will be... Mm transporting over the next few years is just going to increase and grow and grow. As you say, yeah. 20% is a huge jump. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but um, it's good news for Boeing, obviously, with the Maxes. I mean, I think pretty much, I mean, I, I knew that uh, Boeing would probably do fairly well with the Max. I mean, mm. Ryanair have um, yeah. brought, obviously got uh, quite a lot of these on, over 100 on order of the 737 Maxes. And obviously SpiceJet mm. have got have got this order here for uh, 205 Yet to see one close up. We missed this at Farnborough. Um, unfortunately, the Max had uh, left before we uh, went to the air show yes. at Farnborough yes, last had, year. Yeah. Um, so we haven't seen one of these up close and personal yet. Mm. So it'd be nice to see one of these. Possibly might get might, might be one at uh, Pittsburgh. You never know. Mm. Might you be never enough. know. You yeah. never know. But uh, yeah, definitely a big market, uh, India. Uh, one of the countries I haven't been to yet. Uh, have you uh, travelled across to uh, India at all, uh, Nev? Not yet, but uh, might be doing so later this year. We've got two projects in India, uh, which oh. uh, our local partner is helping us with. So I might have to go out there at some point oh. later on. So, but be quite interesting. I've never been there before. So uh, yeah, I must admit, it is one of those places. I mean, there, there, obviously, there are large parts of India that that I have absolutely no desire to to go and experience. If you see what I mean. But you sort of think, um, I mean, it's a it's a wonderful country, really, isn't it? I mean, that you know, I I personally would probably really struggle because I mean, I mean, it is a country that still has you know abject poverty in in very very large areas actually glenn but, um, glenn Taylor just said in the chat room very mm. rightly that uh, let's hope they can find enough pilots to fly all these aircraft well that is that true yeah absolutely uh, and uh, also that um tony s has said as well that india iran and china are going to be massive markets mm. which is uh, also very true yeah absolutely so the next story is uh, for you mr neville yeah, this is from the uh, Telegraph travel news section, always one of my favourites, actually. And it says, revealed the most uh, 
the world's most and least punctual airlines. And it says that a league table uh, of the world's most punctual airlines has been released with damning results for British carriers. The annual report published by Aviation's uh, Insights company Flightstats reveals which airlines run the most prompt services and those that are lagging behind. Using data from 2016, the survey charts the airlines according to the percentage of flights which arrived on schedule. And it says British airlines are nowhere to be seen in the top 10 list, which is dominated by companies based in Asia mm. and mainland Europe. Now, I get the feeling that Matt might want to do one of his uh, <laughs> countdowns here yeah. for the, uh, yeah. the most Start at number air, 10? international yeah. airlines. In 10. Uh, number 10, it, uh, coming in at 84.3%, is uh, Australia's uh, carrier, Qantas. I'm sorry, so somebody's been watching uh, Bullseye, I'm afraid, uh, uh, <laughs> over the Christmas break. So, in 9! That's uh, Tam Airlines. In 8! At uh, number 8, 85.17% uh, is Delta Airlines. Ooh, oh, that, that, that's... Who are they? Uh, that, mm. I don't know, I've never heard of them. Some random uh, in 7! Singapore Airlines. <laughs> in six. Uh, number six, 85.5% Al Nippon Airways. Yeah, that's very cool. In five. Just over 85% is Austrian Airways. Mm. Very cool. In four. It's one of those ones that we pronounce differently all around the globe. It's Qatar, Qatar, Qatar <laughs> Airways at 86.34%. So, so one of those anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in three. And from Japan, it's JL with uh, 87.8%. <laughs> in two. And number two, 88, uh, just over 88%. It's uh, the Spanish carrier Iberia. And bully special prize. <laughs> Especially for the Dutch department, it's KLM with 88.53% of arrivals on time. How about that? The worrying thing so, is, is that's uh, having completely said all wasted. that now, we've got to go through all this again well, yes. because mm. we've now got to talk about the least punctual. Oh, the least punctual. Oh, dear. And um, actually, the British Airlines don't feature in there at all. They were they were so bad, they didn't even <laughs> get, get in there. Right, okay. But, uh, so least... basically, they're, they're right in the middle of the table, essentially. I yeah. think so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, okay, all right then. In ten, <laughs> uh, number ten, it's uh, L Al uh, or L Al at fifty-six percent. I don't even know what I don't. These are least punctual. Right, okay, uh, in nine is Iceland Air. In eight, it's Air India. In seven, <laughs> Philippine Airlines with thirty-eight point three three percent. In six. It's uh, Asiana Airlines. Uh, they're coming in at 37% uh, just over. In five. China Eastern Airlines with 35.8%. In four. It's uh, number four. It's uh, Hong Kong Airlines, uh, just 33% uh, uh, just over. In three. Air China, 32.73%. In two. Uh, number two, it's Korean Air. Uh, pardon? Korean Air. Ah, oh, I see, yes. And Bully Special Prize. At number one, the least punctual international airline of 2016, 2016 is Han, uh, Hainan, ha Hainan Airlines, Hainan? Uh, which Who? is just with 30%, <laughs> just over 30% uh, of their arrivals were on time. And uh, I've never actually heard Matt no. reach that register before. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I, I, uh, well, I, I am an ex-choir boy, it has to be said. So uh, falsetto mm. is, is the name of the game. You're here. pretty close yeah. to a top C at one point. 
Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well. yes, absolutely. Yes. Uh, and if you get your tuning fork out, you'll find it's very close to a topsy. Well. <laughs> anyway, yes. I can't, sorry. I just I, can't sorry, believe we didn't. Bit, we I'm didn't. a little bit overexcitable. I'm very sorry, ladies and gentlemen. That has been noted in the chat room. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm gutted we didn't we didn't see BA in there at all. It's, well, no, it's, it's the same. All the British carriers are right in the middle know, of we've the got, table. We've got mm. Nev here and, and BA. Well, actually, it, it does mention uh, BA. It says, according to the report, a measly 75.17% of British Airways flights arrived on time last year, whilst 75.12% of EasyJet's arrivals ran to schedule. So, you know, uh, but all Sorry, these airlines run a lot of services, don't they? Tony's so. just said in the chat room, did they win a speedboat? <laughs> <laughs> no, they got off. They got off uh, Vauxhall Nova. They got yeah, Vauxhall yeah, Nova. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. a quality price. In, in, yeah, in Mauve. In Mauve. Um, yeah. I, I, it used to make me laugh, though. Is that, sorry, I, I know <laughs> virtually everyone listening to this go, "What the hell is Bullseye?" But it used to make me laugh. They used to win. Bullseye. They used to win a speedboat. They lived in a council flat at the top floor of a building mm. block in Birmingham. <laughs> yeah, and they got. Off. I know. Anyway, sorry. <sighs> So back 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 to calls. Heinen or Heinen Airlines, Nev, uh, founded in 1993. They're based in uh, Beijing. Oh wow! Um, Beijing International Airport. They are. Um, yeah, and in answer oh, to the I knew ch- that all along, actually. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and in answer to the chat room, no, it's not enough caffeine. That's the problem. Uh, no, he's only had he's actually <laughs> had one cup of tea. Yeah, absolutely. Poor yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah. He Poor needs boy. another one. Yeah. So the next story moving on is Oh, d- must we? Mine. Uh, <laughs> Please well, tell me we've got another yes. tap tone. <laughs> our first show, look, come on, behave. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, this one is on the um on, hey, look, on I, I've done my bit. This is all working. All, all right. right. <laughs> this one's on the on the CNT Traveller. <laughs> Uh, or cntraveller.com Condi Nast Traveller yeah. that's rather interesting at home in where the do world. I find these websites I don't know yeah. uh, the headline uh, the airlines uh, with uh, the best Wi-Fi according to Root Happy uh, in general passengers around the world will, uh, would have 39% chance of stepping aboard a Wi-Fi equipped flight at, uh, as Wi-Fi at 30,000 feet becomes more common especially with those of long hauls uh, where you really crave uh, distraction the ability to log on has become a critical factor in choosing an airline so which carrier offers the beds, uh, best beds, best odds uh, overall of getting that signal and have the best connections the top three airlines with the highest percentage of seats with Wi-Fi connectivity are Delta, Emirates and United according to a new survey just out from Route Happy uh, a content platform that compares flights on customer service factors like seating amenities and uh, on long-haul international flights. Uh, so for long-haul international flights, Emirates and Lufthansa along with United leak uh, the pack in offering Wi-Fi. The study reports this is largely due to Emirates operating the largest fleet of A380 aircraft with the highest passenger capacity. And in other findings, the report notes that uh, for overall availability system-wide, US airlines are the leading are leading the way with a much higher percentage of their fleets equipped with technology versus the rest of the world. Virgin America last year had the distinction of being the only airline with 100% of its seats offering Wi-Fi. JetBlue has also reached a similar milestone offering free Wi-Fi on all flights within the uh, US. 
the study says that U.S. airlines offer a uh, at least a chance of Wi-Fi on 83% of their total seating capacity, while on non-U.S. airlines that falls to just uh, 28% of seats. In the next few years, that gap should narrow, and Root Happy noted that in 2016 it saw a dramatic increase in the number of global airlines that have committed to high-quality Wi-Fi. Although the rollout process can sometimes take several years depending on the size of an aircraft's or airline's fleet. Uh, more than 70 airlines around the world will now offer Wi-Fi, 11 more than last year. Um, uh, development Root Happy CEO Robert Albert called quite extraordinary. Considering less than a decade ago it wasn't even possible. Other international champs include Etihad, Iberia, Singapore's Scoot, uh, Iceland Air, all now which have Wi-Fi on 100% of their flights. In general, airline passengers around the world have a 39% chance of stepping aboard a Wi-Fi equipped flight. Even better news, the report shows that carriers are shifting away from basic Wi-Fi systems to faster ones. Delta, for example, is on its third Wi-Fi system in a few years. And even though the number of planes with the best Wi-Fi available is low, it uh, did increase by 20% in 2016. Best Wi-Fi at present can be found on JetBlue. Uh, and some United Air uh, flights, the report notes, the quality of Wi-Fi on long overwater flights is also improving. And the report noted that Virgin America recently launched the hybrid KUKA satellite on flights to Hawaii. Uh, how long until everyone on the airline around the world have uh, free in-flight Wi-Fi? Our guess is around about 2030. So there we go, onboard Wi-Fi. I've used it before. It's been good with Emirates. Uh, yeah, you no complaints. WhatsApp, didn't you? Sent you a WhatsApp while I was on board that the A380. Really, yeah, it was really, really good. Really freaked me out. Yeah, um, <laughs> never had any trouble with it. It's, it's good. It's, uh, it was reasonably cheap at the time, but uh, it'd be nice to see free Wi-Fi. Free mm. Wi-Fi yeah. on board. Well, uh, I noticed that. I, I can't remember quite who was saying, but the, the, there's no no um, Wi-Fi on Air New Zealand yet. Isn't there? I think it was Glenn. Was it Glenn? Yeah, I think it was Glenn. Oh, that's, that, yeah. that's unusual. Hmm. Yeah, uh, t Tony is saying that Emirates service is second to none. Obviously, mm. um, you, you you would go along with that, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you uh, had a chance to travel on any Wi-Fi equipped aircraft, Nev? Do you know? I don't think I ever have actually, because um, all my uh, travels to the US over the last few years have um, been um, with BA, and they don't have any. They didn't have any Wi-Fi at all. <laughs> is that because that the BA are sort, of, sort of stuck in the sort of like the mid 1950s, <clears throat> where they haven't sort of embraced modern technology? Uh, well, they were certainly running some pretty old <laughs> 747s, right. uh, and they still yeah. are actually. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think they're going to uh, up their game very soon. Actually, I think a lot of the, the newer aircraft will be equipped with it. Um, so, well, yeah. I, th I mean, it's one of those, isn't it? It's uh, it, the, new, the the technology is, has massively improved from you know a few years ago. I mean, yeah. I, I mean. You know, I've got a background in networking and, and IT, and even I can't comprehend how on earth they get a, a stable, you know, connection on on an mm. aircraft that is moving like that. Because I mean, the obvious one would to be using like satellites and stuff. But how do you get a satellite to follow the? Um... Oh, I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Just saying what Pip has just said in mm. the chat room there. The yeah, problem he said Pip has just said in the chat room. The problem in Europe is that airborne Wi-Fi is satellite based, which makes it costly mm. and not as fast as ground based Wi-Fi. Mm. Well, I suppose, I mean, ships have uh, used Wi-Fi, you know, use satellite mm. Wi-Fi and stuff. It's obviously just, uh, 
I suppose you just have to have very clever machines that are always making sure it's pointing in the right plate. But, you know, given how long it take, takes us to set up our one... Uh, <laughs> Actually, we should just mention, beans. we didn't have them as a second story, as it was mm. pointed out earlier in the chat room. It'd be nice to see Ryanair have some <laughs> Wi-Fi on board their, uh, their new 737 Max. very funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, I dare say the te- technology will exist, but I wonder how many millions of pounds they will charge you for the privilege. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I don't know what you need, honestly. I, I, I know, I, well, <laughs> You imagine how much their paninis are. I mean, <laughs> hot Wi-Fi, hot Wi-Fi, and yes. fast hot, paninis. Hot stolen? No, no. no. Okay, okay. okay. Right. Next story. <laughs> oh, oh, we, oh, that's right. We're doing an. Oh, it's on your favourite website as well. Now. Oh, is it? Oh, oh, the Daily. Oh, the Sun. Oh, I do love the Sun. If it's in the. <laughs> so sun. do I. Yeah, <laughs> not that kind of Sun. Oh, okay. Yeah. I miss page three. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, the, the Sun newspaper says uh, carriers of shame. EasyJet tops list of compensation complaints as best and worst airlines revealed. Is Ooh. this a repeat of the other story? No. Are you sure? Positive. Okay. Budget carrier EasyJet has been named the worst airline for compensation complaints. In 2016, I suppose that's the trouble, isn't it? Because we're in a new year, so yeah. you're getting all the, the the best of results, aren't you? I suppose um, uh, for the according to new data from a flight compensation company, the low cost British airline replaced Thomas Cook, which previously held the title for the most complained about uh, carrier in 2015. Um, EU claims said it had received 15,499 compensation inquiries in relation to EasyJet, putting it at the top of the world's worst offen- oh, sorry, the worst offenders table. It revealed, uh, sorry, it received 9,887 complaints about Ryanair and 8,117 about British Airways. Oh dear! So that was, does that make them third? Uh, which has uh, held a steady position in the carriers of shame rankings over the last three years, the compensation site said. It said that it had has seen a continued increase in the number of claims made against British Airways, meaning that 2016 has been the airline's worst year for delays and cancellations. Thomas Cook and Thompson came in fourth and fifth place, respectively. Thomas Cook had 7,382, uh, and it made... Uh, made against them last year while Thompson had 5,505. In 2015, 9,104 compensation inquiries were made against Thomas Cook, which put them at the top of the worst offenders list in 2015. But this last year, uh, the numbers dropped by almost 2,000, making them the most improved airline. Also putting other low-cost airlines to shame is Monarch which had improved its services so much much that it had fallen out of the worst offenders list completely. Well, well done then. Um, um, Right. uh, (laughs) Titch Nordhaven. (laughs) Thank you very much. Who apparently is the UK manager for EU claims, said, We appreciate the weather conditions have been a major contributor to the high numbers of delays and cancellations experienced last year. Poor flying conditions throughout December, as well as early on in March and June, are likely to be the driving force behind the incredibly high volume of compensation advice we've responded to. Uh, However, whilst... uh, weather affects all airlines some have been more efficient at reducing delays and cancellations thomas cook for example has made great strides in improving its services uh, in response to the data easyjet said that it was it was worth noting that easyjet is the largest uk airline and so carries more passengers in the uk than the other carriers listed a spokesman for the airline said in 2016 easyjet saw unprecedented levels of disruption due to factors outside of our control like 
like French air traffic control strikes and air traffic control congestion in the London area and in Europe, which led to uh, a high number of claims. We will always pay compensation when it is due and strongly recommend that customers apply directly to EasyJet rather than going through firms like this one so they they can receive all of their compensation and avoid losing losing out paying fees. Uh, EU claims... Uh, EU claim helps passengers to claim compensation owed to them as a result of flight delays and cancellations but charges fees for its services. Passengers don't have to pay to get the compensation owed to them. They can go directly to the airline or if that doesn't work you can report your issue to the Civil Aviation Authority which is the UK Aviation Regulator. Now, I was just looking at that list on there, the carriers of shame, Matt. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you've got um, EasyJet, obviously number one, yep. with Ryanair, and BA at number three, mm -hmm. Thomas Cook and Thompson. Then if you look a bit further down the list, it's airports of shame. Oh, right. Oh, dear. And uh, I was quite shocked, actually, when I looked at the airports of shame, mm -hmm. the uh, top, te or top ten, I should say. No airport. way! Number one, the worst airport of shame, is <laughs> our local airport here. In the region, which is Norwich Airport. Wow. Um, 112 flights cancelled. See, the stat that, that frightens... Oh, no, that's, that's all, all together. I was, I'd be interested to know... What, what is that in relation to, though? I mean, what, I mean how many flights? Uh, I mean, this is, but this is 2015, 2016. Mm. But this percentage, total increase in cancelled and delayed flights from year to year. So it's from mm. 2015 to 2016. 119% <laughs> increase in cancelled flights. I think I've got a feeling that there's probably some, some good reasons behind this as well. You know, that weather we've been having here over the last couple of days, well, hardly the eight inches of snow that they were forecasting. But <laughs> no, I noticed yes. that which, which were a, being forecasted in the sun, I should stress. But anyway. That's right. Yeah. Of course they were, couldn't they? And uh, what, what's happening now, certainly on the short haul sectors, um, is that BA and other uh, frequent carriers uh, on the short haul uh, sectors, they tend to cancel the flight before it's even um, been scheduled. So they'll cancel it 24 hours beforehand, because obviously, if something goes wrong down route with the weather, they've got aircraft and crew out of position mm. and all sorts of things like that. So it's a bit of a preemptive strike. So it's pretty disruptive, but actually yeah. it enables them to get back on schedule quicker Much i was faster, just talking yeah. to some of the atc guys at heathrow when i made a visit there a few weeks ago and, and they were saying yeah that actually the the, the schedule works the timetable works okay as long as the weather's decent the moment yeah. the weather deteriorates or there's low visibility mm -hmm. ops and that kind of thing that's when the timetable isn't so robust so they try and cancel the flights um before they have a, a big moment mm. basically and of course uh, it's worth noting yesterday that they uh, i think it was at heathrow i think cancelled sorts 80 something or other flights yeah um in preparation because uh, unlike somebody at work was saying to me well, why is that and i thought oh dear dear dear, this is a worrying sign i've actually retained some information from this show <laughs> as i sort of explained <laughs> that Heathrow came in at six did it table, oh, yeah 30 percent right, okay. yeah, yeah. increase from last from 2015 mm. to 2016 yeah it might one thing to note though as well on these these particular stories you know we've got here obviously about easyjet having the most complaints mm. you know you got you got you got a member that easyjet along with ryanair have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of flights a day mm. yeah. thousands of flights a day yeah, exactly you know as opposed to some of the other airlines that might not have quite the same throughput of passengers mm. in in a day so they're gonna get mm. more complaints than you know than the most other carriers yeah. but um absolutely 
Just like to mention before we move on to the next story, uh, a quick mention to my uh, my cousin Vicky, who is uh, currently at uh, she's at Heathrow she's Airport, at Heathrow, right? okay. and she's waiting to fly back uh, with her husband Dave back yeah. to Australia. My cousin Vicky yeah. and uh, I, ma- I managed to meet my uh, my now godson uh, mm-hmm. for the first time. Uh, this Christmas, and they're now flying back to Western Australia. So I'm going to give a quick mention, a quick wave oh. to uh, to Vicky, and have a safe journey home, cuz. And uh, yeah, hope to uh, uh, speak to you soon over mm. Skype again. In for it's not the same though. Is I it? know it's no, not the same, no, but it's, it's been, been lovely to see her yeah. since she's Sorry, been back. What I was actually saying before uh, before we moved on was that uh, I was explaining to the to my colleagues at work that actually it wasn't so much they, the cancel the flights probably weren't being cancelled because of of any snow here. It was more that the weather conditions that the planes were having yeah. to fly through is probably the reason why a lot of the flights were being sort of preemptively cancelled. And as Nev says, obviously making sure that planes and everything are all in the right place at the right time as you say because that way it actually minimizes the disruption because the, it, it, as you said as Nev said it, it's faster to get planes back where they should be and, and up and running. So the next story moving on and uh, this yep. one's for Nev. Mm. Yeah this is from the AZ Central uh, the Arizona Republic part of the USA Today network. Mm. 10 things to know about those $69 fares to Europe. And this is all about the um, airline called Wow. Wow! And, um, wow! Yeah, this is quite interesting, actually. The the bargain hunter travellers couldn't share the story fast enough this week. An airline was offering $69 fares to Europe from Los Angeles and San Francisco. Never mind that many had, hadn't even heard of the uh, airline behind the cheap tickets Wow Air, but uh, this lady, Dawn, uh, who's the reporter, her 17-year-old son, and more than a few friends who wanted in on the deal mistook the wow in the headlines as an eye-grabbing description of the fares <laughs> rather than the airline's name. Okay. Um, so just to give you an idea about what these bargain fares are all about, they're probably likely to resurface uh, as competition heats up across the Atlantic with uh, the competitor um, Norwegian Air as well, adding US cities, mm. including Los Angeles and Oakland. And uh, Wales sale uh, sale fares typically start at $99 one way. So that's uh, pretty incredible, really. It is. Th- I've never seen so many pop-ups on, on uh, or, and ads on a web page in my life, so I can barely see anything on here. So yeah. I've managed to get the first three paragraphs out, <laughs> and that's about it. Because every time I, I close a, a box, another one opens. So, um, but so I'm going to leave it at that, I think, on, on this story. But um, I think this was, and in Inevitability, wasn't it? Um, mm. With um, having got uh, low-cost fares uh, in the yeah. US, uh, Europe, uh, Asia Pacific, and now we're going sort of transcontinental um, uh, cheap fares. Mm. So that, that's going to happen, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah, yeah it says it does say that that Wow um, serves San Francisco, Los Angeles, Boston, Newark, mm. and Baltimore, Washington, mm. and this spring they're launching services to Miami and. Pittsburgh. Indeed. Uh, ooh. Yeah, but that's not till spring. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah, oh. unfortunately. Oh, that's, that's, that's so close, but... Otherwise, that would yeah. have been incredibly cheap. It yeah. would have been, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, but there's sort of 10 things to know about Wow Air. It says, Wow Air was started in 2011 by Icelandic entrepreneur Skuli Mog- Mogs- Mogsen uh, and began flying in 2012. Uh, its uh, its main hub is in Reykjavik in Iceland in Iceland sorry and flights uh, beyond Iceland require a layover there 
which is uh, in, uh, rather interesting. Uh, the airline has been expanding rapidly in the U.S. since 2015 and now serves San Francisco, Los Angeles, Boston, Newark, Baltimore, Washington, uh, this spring obviously servicing Miami and Spain. Um, Pittsburgh will debut. WOW does not serve Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport. The closest option is Los Angeles International Airport. Uh, flights are not offered every day of the week to each mm. destination. Yeah, I find that. Uh, yeah, uh, the fares are cheap, but you'll pay extra for everything from seat assignments mm. to larger carry-ons, uh, a la US discounter. But then we kind of, you know, not being funny, we're used to it here in Europe, aren't we? It's uh, it's not something that we that's that's alien to us. The cheapest fares are generally available on flights to Europe. Return fares are higher. Um, the airline offers a free stopover in Iceland for travellers headed to and from Europe, promoting it as uh, two, two vacations in one. And if you're looking for the cheapest fares, check out How Low Can We Go calendar feature on WOW's homepage. On Thursday, there was a $69 flight from Los Angeles to Bristol, England. Wow, that's very cool. Uh, for travel this month, return flights started at $200 for a round trip cheap cheap that is really cheap isn't it uh, and if you want early notice of the next fair sale sign up for the free wow club members get email notice of fair sales and other promotions might be worth signing up to all jokes aside i mean for that kind of money you could almost it's almost like worth popping over for a weekend <coughs> isn't it yeah oh, certainly yeah, yeah definitely absolutely uh yes um wow that that's really amazing yeah, when I was looking at their flights to go over to um, the States via Boston, they were yeah. um, they were really cheap, the actual flights, but it was via Boston at the mm. time. Yeah. Very good. Uh, can I recommend a program called Adblock for you, uh, Nev, by the way? Yes, I think I might just uh, do that. Uh, I, I have it on my Mac. It works beautifully. That's uh, been a particularly difficult uh, <laughs> segment. <there>. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank it you was, for uh, helping me. I, I, I can see what you mean, though, because I've had the little thing come up on here, and it's 22 oh, ads on the page have been blocked since I was reading that story mm. out. Really? So, wow, yeah. I don't know what that is. Do you know, I'm using Firefox. I haven't had any pop-ups at all. Yeah, you've probably got ad blocker built in, haven't you? I don't know. I just... Yeah, you've got. I think you've got oh. something like that built built in. Uh, so but the next story. Yes, moving indeed. on. Yes, uh, this moving one, away from tech. moving away yes. from tech. <laughs> this one is on the uof, uh, the uh, Al Arabia English. Another site. quality random find, <laughs> Carlos. <laughs> well, we had some good news from Boeing earlier right. regarding their um, okay. lots of uh, new mm. purchasing or planes. Let me purchased. guess. Is there some good news from Airbus? It's good news right. for Airbus. <laughs> Saudi <laughs> airline Flynas to buy eight point six billion dollars in Airbus aircraft. Mm -hmm. So a major shareholder in Saudi airline Flynas says the discount carrier has reached a deal to buy eight point six billion dollars worth of aircraft from European plane maker Airbus. Saudi billionaire Prince Al Wahid bin Talal. Pardon? <laughs> Her kingdom holding company announced a deal on Thursday, though it did not say how many aircraft of what type or what type will be involved. Uh, kingdom owns just over a 34% stake in the rider-based airline. Airbus declined to provide details on, uh, other than to confirm that a formal announcement was uh, ex expected on Monday. Uh, Flynas uh, could not be reached for comment. Flynas is a low-cost airline, previously known as NAS Air, that flies to domestic Saudi and regional destinations. Nations, so a huge uh, order, eight point six billion dollars. I mean, that's a, that must be a, a good old handful of aircraft. Yeah, but I they think, don't pay Airbus. that, do they? You keep saying, you know, it's like you keep telling me like off that. for that, don't you? you? Think, wow, that's a lot of money, and then it's like nobody pays. It would be price. interesting to see, actually, 
um, Nev, whether they've uh, whether they've gone for the uh, the neos for uh, yeah for obviously it, when the I think one of the most important things with new aircraft fleets is uh, uh, the cost of running them, isn't it? Obviously, there's the capital cost of buying them, but the the biggest cost by a long way is maintenance and, and fuel efficiency, and that that's going to be the name of the game, I, I think, uh, definitely. So uh, uh, all the uh, that that's really and with the oil prices being what they are as well, uh, yeah. and although a lot of airlines you know do hedging on on fuel purchases, I, yeah. I think this is going to be a, a really big uh, part of the next five or six years, getting the, the most they can out of the air craft in terms exactly. of range and mm. uh, fuel efficiency. So Flynass were founded in 2007. Uh, they've got 27 aircraft in the fleet and their company slogan is the kingdom's first low-cost airline. Ooh. Ooh. Get you. I know. So Get moving you. on, the next story then, Matt, this one is uh, is for you if you're ready. You're looking a bit concerned there about something. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Have you lost the story? No, sorry, it confused me because I thought we got two story. We've got two stories talking about Wi-Fi, and I was concerned it was a a repeat. No, but, no, uh, no. But it appears not to. So apologies. So anyway, this airline apparently this is on the Mashable.com website, and this headline says this airline has answered our Wi-Fi prayers. So uh, need a reason to fly with JetBlue? How about free in-flight Wi-Fi? JetBlue announced Wednesday that it had completed the expansion of uh, FlyFi. I like that. That's very Fly clever. Fi. I like that. Yeah, uh, it's a free in-flight Wi-Fi service, making it the only airline to offer wireless internet to customers at no additional cost. FlyFi is now available on all 227 of the airline's planes, spanning the entire fleet of Airbus A320s, A321s and Embraer 190s. Uh, JetBlue first introduced FlyFi on <laughs> select planes in 2013, and the installation completion marks yet another milestone for the airline. The airline already offers a handful of in-flight entertainment options, including anywhere between 36 and 100 channels of uh, free direct TV, uh, depending on the specific aircraft, over 100 channels of free Sirius XM, free movies, and Amazon video streaming. Uh, Fi-Fi is also an uninterrupted Wi-Fi service, meaning customers don't need to wait until they're up in the air before they can get online. From the boarding gate to arrival gate, Fly-Fi lets JetBlue customers connect wirelessly to the internet for the entire journey. Fly-Fi's internet speeds are pretty speedy too, compared to competing paid in-flight Wi-Fi services with an average connection speed of up to 15 megabits. Good lord. That's not bad. Uh, some users have experienced faster speeds up to 30 megabit. That's good. What, per passenger? Good lord. That'd be good. Uh, in comparison... Going yeah, that is. That's pretty impressive. Mm. Uh, in comparison, GoGo, the world's largest in-flight and internet provider, currently tops out at about 10 megabits, uh, though the company plans to increase Wi-Fi speeds up to 100 megabits by 2018 with a network equipment overhaul in 2017. Uh, sorry, it's 2017 and our customers expect to be connected everywhere, whether it be from the comfort of their sofa or 35,000 feet above it. JetBlue's Vice President of Marketing, Jamie Perry, said in a press release, that's why we're so proud that JetBlue is now the only airline to offer free High-speed Wi-Fi, live TV, and movies for all customers on every single plane. 
I mean, that that's astounding. How can they afford to do that? I wonder what the upload is. I, I mean, that must know. be the download speed, I, I would presume. Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Not, not great, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have, yeah, I wouldn't have thought yeah. the upload you, speed. You must be talking, uh, you know, sort of... You're probably talking 0.25, something like mm. that. But then Not enough for us to do a live show. No, I don't think we could do that. I mean, I dare say <laughs> if we spoke to them, we could do that. But um, could, yeah, you, yeah. could you not let anyone else on the aircraft, apart yeah, from me and Matt, yeah. we want to do a live show? Mm. I don't think that would go down too well. well. I don't know if you're right we to could them. give it a go. Yeah, it's worth it. What's, what's the worst that can happen? Well, I don't know. Where does Jet do, 2 fly from? Jet, Jet Blue. Jet Blue, sorry. They are, they are in the States. They're kind oh. of... Uh, they're actually one of the airlines okay. that cropped up when I was looking at flights to Pittsburgh. Oh, actually, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, Nev, your Hi. story next. <laughs> it's uh, this is from the CNBC website, and it says uh, Turkey is on schedule to land the world's busiest airport. Oh, this wow. shocked and, me. This story, actually. Yeah, I know. It's uh, quite surprising, actually, isn't it? Um, Turkey is building what it claims will be the world's largest airport by passenger numbers. The Istanbul new airport plans to accommodate 150 million passengers a year on its eventual completion, outstripping Atlanta International Airport, which handled 101 million in 2015, according to the Airport Council International. The same data set shows that in 2015, Dubai International Airport handled 78 million passengers, whilst Heathrow pushed through 75 million travellers. Istanbul New, as it's going to be called, will be the city's third international airport. However, Ataturk Airport will be closed uh, upon the scheduled opening of the new facilities, first stage in February 2018. Uh, a need for more air capacity serving Istanbul was identified for both Ataturk Turk and Sabia Caution airports, uh, which are unable to grow to meet demand. And it's going to be a full six runway operation of the airport, and that's not expected until 2028, though. But in 2013, a consortium of Turkish construction firms made the winning 22 billion euro uh, bid to build and then operate the facility for 25 years. Uh, and uh, Lee Mack Holding, who uh, leads the consortium, estimated that around 10.3 billion euros will account for the build cost. And in uh, December 2016, the full airport was estimated to be 40% complete by Istanbul Grand Airport Construction, the team in charge of the project. And it's located on the Black Sea coast on the European side of Turkey, and the airport will be 22 miles outside Istanbul and serve the city with rail, metro and bus links. And uh, designs released uh, just a, a year ago uh, showed an air traffic control tower in the shape of a tulip, a traditional Turkish Aww. symbol. Well, this is going to be really interesting now, because now in that part of the world, they're going to be competing with, you know, uh, uh, Tel Aviv, Frankfurt, mm, mm. Um, you know, Amsterdam, you know, in a very interesting part of uh, Europe and the Middle East as well. So I, mm. I think this is going to be an absolutely substantial um, piece of construction. No question about it. Yeah, Turkey, they the do um, flights from the UK. Uh, Turkish Airlines do flights from the UK with the 737. 800 mm. they go from the uk to istanbul and then from istanbul to dubai they get they do the flights uh, wow. from the uk to dubai and they are actually when i looked at them before um because we looked at into them last year there the flights with that with turkish airlines to dubai via istanbul were considerably cheaper than uh, emirates yeah um yeah. the only thing is like i said you're flying on a 737 800 not mm. a huge a380 yeah. so you know it depends what you what you like really if you want to fly mm. on a big uh, long haul aircraft or a little kind of mm. short haul but yeah it's uh, it's going to be one to definitely watch uh, nev for sure yep. definitely. um if they're going to say it's going to be the world's busiest airport so mm. the next story moving on is on the usa today 
uh, dot com website and uh, once this is finished loading it's, it's here we go here we go uh, it's a sad story it is, yes. it is a sad story it is. and uh, it's it's one we've been running uh, all last year various mm -hmm. airlines but uh, this is uh, an update kind of thing on united airlines uh, final boeing 747 flight will come by the end of 2017 uh, so United Airlines ha is accelerating the retirement of its Boeing 747 jumbo jet, saying its last flight on the Queen of the Skies will now come this year. Previously, United said its 747s would be phased out by the end of 2018. Oh, we've got, hold on, we've got, ugh, is that marvellous pop-up? There we go. Um, so yeah, he said they're going to be phasing them out by the end of 2018. As uh, deeply connected as we are to this iconic aircraft, the time has come to retire the 747 fleet from scheduled service, United Airlines President Scott Kirby said on Wednesday in a memo to workers. It's a bittersweet milestone. The jumbo jet with its unmistakable silhouette once represented the state of the art in air travel. Uh, today, there are more fuel-efficient, cost-effective, and reliable wide-bodied aircraft that provide an updated in-flight experience for customers traveling on long-haul flights, Kirby added. For these reasons, we're saying farewell to the Queen of the Skies, which has been part of the fleet since we first flew aircraft uh, between California and Hawaii in 1970. United made no mention of its memo, uh, but its plans to accelerate its retirement of its 747s come at the same time that the Federal Aviation Administration the FAA is expected to issue an airworthiness directive calling for potentially expensive fixes to older models of the jets, including the type flown by United. United's last 747 flight will now come in the fourth quarter of this year, according to the memo, and we'll be working with all of uh, the people who uh, work on the 747s to ensure a smooth transition to other fleets, Kirby said. Our forward-looking uh, plan, uh, fleet cover plan, will uh, cover 747 replacements and anticipated growth opportunities. He also promised workers that the company will give the 747 an appropriate send-off. Oh, that's nice. Mm. Uh, of course, we'll honour the 747 with an unforgettable retirement celebration, Kirby wrote in the memo, adding, we'll keep you posted with more details on her final flight in the months ahead. Uh, United is uh, shifting its 747 flying to newer wide-body jets. These include the uh, 777-300ER models that the company's just begun taking delivery of. Uh, the 747s in United's fleets, all 400 variants of the aircraft, seat 374 passengers, and the new 777-300ERs uh, seat 400 and, uh, 366. Uh, United uh, also has a number of other new wide-body aircraft coming into the fleet, including 787-8s and Dash 9 Dreamliners uh, that seat 219 and 252 passengers, respectively. Uh, many of these aircraft already flying for the carrier, and in 2018, United will begin taking delivery of its new A350 wide-body jets. United's accelerating, uh, acceleration of its 747 retirement also makes it seem likely that no U.S. airline will be flying the iconic jet by the end of this year. Delta Airlines is the only other U.S. carrier that currently uses the 747's four-passenger service. Uh, like United, Delta also has begun to phase out the models of the jet. And the carrier is on record saying it expects to retire its last 747 by the end of this year as well. Delta will use several models to replace its 747s. They include the A330s, uh, which have all been already been delivered to the carrier, as well as new A350s that Delta expects to begin receiving next year. 
and sad news really mm. um another you know united have obviously um decided to uh push uh, push yeah, out I, faster I, 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 whilst you were reading that uh, story out those who who were watching on youtube that there was a very nice little uh, photo gallery of the 747 and actually i mean virtually every carrier i've ever heard of has at some point Flown a seven four seven. Yeah, uh, everyone from Virgin them. Atlantic, yeah. Lufthansa, BA, you know, BA, France, everyone. I mean, yeah. it's 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 been the r a real workhorse mm. uh, of the aviation industry, and of course, it's still widely being used in cargo. Yeah, even, I mean, now, most, I mean, so. a lot. I mean, mo a lot of these will go to um, <coughs> to the you know the Mojave Desert kind of boneyards um, <laughs> for uh, for kind of sitting you know storage as such. But I think some. Possibly, you know, will be com maybe converted mm. into uh, to freighters you to be used know. as freighters. You never know. You never know. So next story, moving uh, on. Indeed, Matt. yes. And uh, it's, one, it's one of those ones that, that came out of, uh, as a week a week or two ago, but it's mm. um, it was at the time it was quite serious. Mm. But uh, now know. I now I, I I did say to Carlos, so apologies uh, if if this isn't correct. I seem to remember reading somewhere in one of our various tweets. I'm going to have that, a quick look. Yeah, Carlos is going to look it up. Know. But we'll read the story for the moment. It's Air Transport World. And uh, basically the headline is LAM Mozambique Boeing 737-700 damaged in suspected drone strike. Now, I've got a feeling that, that, that it was actually proved not to be a drone strike. But Carlos is going to look that up um, now because it is... Uh, What's the date on this? The 7th of January this was mm. released. Anyway, uh, I'll read on. A Boeing 737-700 operated by African carrier LAM Mozambique has sustained nose damage after colliding with an object on approach whilst operating a domestic flight. Flight TM136 departed from Mo Maputo... Uh, at 1535 local time on the 5th of January and was scheduled to arrive in Tete uh, in northwest Mozambique at 1715. There were 80 passengers and six crew members on board at the time of the incident. In a statement, LAM said that the aircraft was on approach to Tete when the crew heard a loud noise, suggesting a collision with a foreign object. The aircraft landed normally. A follow-up ground inspection revealed that the aircraft nose had been damaged. Photographs posted to social media show several serious dents and tears to the right-hand side of the 737-800's nose cone. There is no obvious bird debris on the aircraft and unconfirmed media reports suggest the aircraft could have collided with a drone. I stress could have collided with a drone. Um, uh, although this has not been substantiated by ATW LAM reports, the incident to the Mozambique authorities and the aircraft has since been grounded, causing some disruption to LAM's operations. A Boeing spokesman said that's far t that it's far too early to give a comment as too little information is currently available. So there was an update then, Matt, as you're quite right. Uh, this was updated on the 10th of January. I have a feeling it was Masher, I think, who told me possibly. Probably, anyway, yeah. yeah. Our yeah. listeners are very good at these Yeah, things. they are very much so. Um, yeah. So the update was uh, that apparently that, uh, this this is off um, coming from the Aviation mm. Herald, Simon's awesome site that yeah. uh, you all should know about and look at. Mm. Um, apparently the uh, it was actually concluded after an inspection that the uh, radome failed as a result of a structural failure mm. caused by airflow pressure um it was uh, contributing factors were possibly uh, were a defective installation of the radome um and also uh, foreign object damage was ruled out 
the CIA uh, have said or said that the Radome had been purchased second-hand through an American company mm. supplying aircraft parts and components. The Radome was installed on the aircraft during a major maintenance in South Africa in uh, June mm. in 2016. So there we go. It's uh, yeah, that was it's not a drone strike mm. in the end. But um, a structural failure caused by airflow pressure. I mean, really? Mm. That's very strange. Mm. Defective parts. Yes, you have them right. on cars. Yeah, they have them on aircraft as well. Actually, if you look at the uh, pictures on there, Matt, because the pictures are on this um, story, all right, they're on this story from that. Uh, you probably haven't got them on there now. But no. Sorry. If you go, to, <laughs> if you take yourselves over to the uh, Aviation Herald site. And uh, look, there's a picture, awesome pictures on there taken of the aircraft uh, whilst it's uh, parked up on the stand. And you can actually see that there's a slight difference in colour between the radome and the aircraft itself. You can see that it's kind of a, 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 a after part. You can kind of see mm -hmm. a, a difference in white colour. But uh, yeah, so yeah, obviously everything was okay with that flight. It mm -hmm. landed and with no incident, but um, a bit worrying, isn't it? I don't know what the fuss is about. That'll buff out, won't it? <laughs> yeah, a bit, bit of tea cut and some poly filler. Yeah, absolutely. Carlos is very good with the tea cut. Have you I know, I'm yeah. damn good with tea yeah, cut. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, may, may be a bit of a challenge. Uh, so, buffing the that one out. Next story is, or the last story, mm. is uh, for you, Nev. Yeah, this is um, from the BBC uh, news website, and uh, uh, this is about uh, Iran uh, welcoming Airbus as the first post-sanctions airliner, and they've taken delivery of the first Western-built passenger plane in decades following the lifting of sanctions last year. The Airbus A321 led, landed in Tehran to an official ceremony uh, that included Transport Minister Abbas Akhundi. And uh, Iran uh, will eventually take possession of 100 planes from Airbus and 80 from Boeing. And uh, world powers agreed to lift sanctions against Iran in return for its curbing of nuclear activities. The Airbus A321 had flown from Toulouse in France and its passengers included company chief Fabrice Brugere. And uh, correspondents say that uh, Thursday's arrival is being seen as symbolic of Iran's emergence from decades of economic isolation. And the state TV called it a, a historic moment for Iran, signalling the end of the sanctions era for the country. This is a pre prelude to the delivery of other aircraft and the renovation of Iran's ageing air fleet, it added. The Iran Air fleet is amongst the oldest in the world, experts say, and has relied on parts being smuggled into the country to keep its planes flying. That's pretty shocking, isn't it? But um, of course, we all, you know, just get on uh, aircraft, don't we? We don't even think about all of the political situations oh, in these mm, different countries. Yeah, true. And, the, you know, the aviation business is very much a worldwide one now. Mm. And uh, there's all sorts of things that have to be negotiated, you know, overflying rights and, yeah. and manufacturing mm. and all, all sorts of things. So yeah. um, this this is going to be a, a big boost to them, I'm, I'm absolutely is. sure. Absolutely. So Iran Air, founded in 1944 as Iranian Airways Company, commenced operations 1961 as Iran Air, and uh, they've had, in their f uh, fleet history, they've had some uh, a kind of mixture, really, of aircraft around there. have had in their uh, fleet, they've had Airbus, Boeing, Convairs, Douglas DC-3s, uh, DC-9s, Lockheed Constellations, Vickers Viscounts they had in 1960. Um, Iran actually had um, one of the, uh, the more... Um, 
the Stranger, the 747s, mm. Queen of the Skies, they had one of the SPs, which is a special performance. It was like yeah. a, it was like a 747 that's been sort of squished mm. um, smaller. It was a, um, one of the smaller 747s. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, there's a bit of info on Iran Air. Very much. So, yeah. so that's where we bring the commercial news segment to a close this week. Hope you enjoyed those stories that we've uh, grabbed from around the world. We have got something special for you next, haven't we, Matt? We have indeed, yes. It uh, gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show, for the very first time in uh, 2017, uh, we have the legend that is Pilot Pip. He's got a nice little segment for us. So what we're all going to do now, this is an opportunity. Turn up your headphones, turn up your speakers. We're going to turn the TV up here uh, whilst we make ourselves a brew. It's time to welcome the legend that is Pilot Pip. This week, he's talking about simulators. Plane safety from the flight deck. With Pilot Pip. Hi everyone, it's Pip here, wishing you all a very happy new year. Hope you've all had a great Christmas and are now ready for 2017 and all the exciting challenges it's going to bring. Well, I started off my new year with a trip to the simulator. Super exciting as always. Uh, my biannual six monthly trip back to the simulator seems to follow a very standard pattern. We spend a day and a half in the classroom and then three four-hour simulators. Uh, the first session tends to be practicing all the drills and failures that we have been looking at in the classroom. So uh, this time around we've been looking at hydraulic failures, so uh, loss of hydraulic pumps, one pump, both pumps, hydraulic overheats, all sorts of things. And it can have various effects. Obviously a double hydraulic failure uh, is a little more severe. A single hydraulic system is more than capable of powering everything on the aircraft, uh, at least in hydraulic sense. So that's uh, flaps, uh, undercarriage, air brakes, thrust reversers, uh, steering, and a number of other things I'm probably not thinking of. So the first sim session, we just run through all of that, have a look at that. It's really a, a training exercise. The second four-hour sim session is our LPC, License Proficiency Check, or an OPC, uh, which is an Operator's Proficiency Check, but they're roughly the same thing. So this is the part where we are tested and examined by a CAA examiner, and again it follows a very standard format. We have to do certain things like uh, a rejected takeoff, uh, several single-engine approaches, a single-engine precision approach, a single-engine non-precision approach, single-engine go-arounds as well as a number of other failures. Um, so that was all fairly standard, all goes quite well. You know, I've been in there a million times before now, so it's all very straightforward, it's nothing, nothing new, not too many surprises. And then the, the third, the last of the simulator sessions, is our special airports and loft training. So as I've said before, a uh, number of the airports we go to, we have to do special simulator training for it, generally because they've got uh, some um, unusual aspects to them. Generally they're mountainous airports and we have to practice the engine failure procedures in the mountain airports, the escape maneuvers and the escape routings. A few other ones like London City we have to practice because of the steep approach. And then the LOFT exercise, LOFT stands for Line Orientated Flight Training. Uh, and this will be just a normal flight in the simulator but some sort of bizarre scenario will be thrown in and it's a good opportunity to practice some of those less technical skills, more of the soft skills, communicating and um, 
you know, problem solving, that kind of thing. And the third simulator session always tends to be a bit of a drag because the OPC LPC is already done the day before, so the hard part is over. So come the uh, the third session, people tend to relax and perhaps not concentrate quite as much, which I always thought was a daft way of doing things. I always thought the uh, LPC should be the, the last of the simulator session, but that's another story. But it is a bit of a drag, particularly doing the special airports. Um, it can be quite a mentally demanding task, doing approach after approach after approach, or takeoff after takeoff, or engine failure after engine failure, doing it on one runway and then the other runway, and then you go to the next airport and do it there, and it all becomes a bit of a blur, and it's quite hard to keep up, really, and it's very exhausting. So you do all that, and then, after a few hours of that, you go on and do the loft exercise. But they did something a little bit different this year, which I quite liked. For the first time ever, they combined the loft exercise with the special airports training. So uh, the special airports we were doing this time round were London City Airport, which is actually quite straightforward. It only takes sort of 30 minutes to bash that one out. And Chambéry in the French Alps, which can be a little bit tricky. And we've got some new procedures as well uh, this time round that we've been practicing due to the introduction of some RNAV uh, departures from Chambéry. There's some new procedures that go with that. So rather than just going through them one at a time, uh, they decided to combine the loft exercise with the special airports training. So we had a we were given a scenario which incorporated having to do some of the uh, special uh, procedures at the airport. So it was quite good fun. So the scenario was we were meant to be making a flight from Chambry to Bastia down in Corsica, the uh, the French island in the Mediterranean with a couple of passengers on the aircraft. So we have no idea of what the scenario is going to be before we start. So we set it all up. There's quite a lot of briefing involved with Chambry. Uh, there's quite a few details that you need to uh, iron out and get clear in your head to do with performance. So off we blasted uh, up into the air on our way to Bastia when all of a sudden the uh, passenger comes up to the cockpit and says, I'm terribly sorry pilots, but I've left my phone back at the airport and I really need it. Now, normally, if you're at a normal airline, EasyJet or Virgin or, or someone else, then, well, the answer's going to be, tough luck, mate, we're going. We're not going back just to get your phone. But at SafeJets, things are a little bit different because uh, our passengers are, you know, paying an awful lot of money to fly with us. And in many regards, they're, they're the boss. So, you know, if they've got a request like that, um, there's no safety issue or some other reason why we can't do, can't make that request, then we'll certainly consider it. So, in this case passenger says sorry chaps I've left my phone behind can we go back and get it well then we've got a problem uh, now in this case so we say to the passenger okay well you know take a seat and we'll we'll get back to you in a few minutes and uh, and we'll look at it so there's a lot of uh, thinking then you have to do a lot of discussion as a crew you have to look at your performance your landing weight can you get back into the airport is the weather suitable um, and what are you going to do after that? Are we going to have to refuel again? Uh, are we going to be able to make it again to Bastia if we you know, take off with an hour's delay? So it was quite a good discussion. So we uh, ended up in the hold over Chambry. Fairly quickly came to the conclusion that yes, we could go back and get the phone. But it takes a little bit of time to set up for the ILS into Chambry. Again, it's quite complicated. There's a lot of things to consider. Uh, and the wind had magically shifted round and had now necessitated the ILS followed by the circling approach, which is one of the things we've got to tick off the box for the special airports. 
So we make the approach and we're coming around onto final when suddenly out of nowhere we get a, a huge wind shear event which forces us into the uh, missed approach. So another thing ticked off the special airport syllabus, a wind shear missed approach. So off we go, do the, uh, the wind shear go, which is all good training, back up into the hold. Uh, and by this time quite some uh, fuel has, has been burnt, so we're beginning to run a little bit low on fuel. And at that point, passenger, this is all part of a pre-planned scenario, of course, with the instructors and our, uh, one of our own um, line trainers who is in there playing the part of the passenger. So we're back up in the hold for the second time and the passenger comes up and says, look chaps, uh, it was my mistake, so don't worry about the phone, let's just go to Bastia. So again, there's another discussion to be had there, because by this point we are really tight on fuel. So it's again another a good exercise in fuel management. So we have a good look as a crew at the fuel, decide exactly how much we need to have to continue the flight to Bastia. And at this point it was absolutely right on the, on the, uh, the borderline for us, so we decided that no, we couldn't go back to Bastia, so we have to, you know, a little bit of um, customer services training, if you like, have to explain to the passenger that, sorry, at this point, we're unable to go to Bastia because of the fuel. Um, but also, we can't really go back to Shawnbury because of the, the weather now has uh, has changed, and, you know, we've already made one wind shear go around. We don't fancy having another crack at it because nothing's really changed. So my solution to all of this, which I was quite pleased with, actually, was to uh, phone ahead or phone our, our operations department and get them to put the phone into a taxi and have a taxi drive it to Leon Airport, which we decided it was a bit of a guess, but we decided it was about an hour and a half drive in a taxi. Um, so the plan was we would get the phone in a taxi to Leon Airport. We would fly directly to Leon Airport to refuel. We would then pick up the phone at the same time and continue the flight to Bastia, arriving only a, an hour or so behind schedule. And that seemed to uh, to be quite a novel, a novel solution. So I was quite pleased with that. And that's exactly what we did. Uh, and I really like these loft scenarios. They really get you uh, thinking, sort of uh, concentrating and, and developing those so-called soft skills. Uh, but it's a great chance to develop some, some CRM uh, skills as well. Looking at the resources you have, communicating, and communicating in a cockpit can be really quite tricky. You know, we're generally pretty good at all the, or most of the CRM uh, skills, you know, the decision-making things, the, the threat and error uh, management things, uh, but communicating in a cockpit can be quite tricky, especially when you're under pressure. Uh, you know, they say that, I don't know, 80 or 90% of communicating is through non-verbal communication. It's body language. It's being able to see the other person. But when you're in a cockpit, when you're sitting down, well, that's cut out already a, a lot of the body language because, you, you know, you're, you're sat there flying an aeroplane. But also, when the pressure's on, when you're dealing with an engine failure or a missed approach or something, then you're typically very heads down looking at the instruments and concentrating. So that kind of eye-to-eye -eye facial communication is is almost non-existent as well. So at times like that, it becomes particularly important to be able to very concisely and precisely verbally communicate with one another and that's it's quite difficult especially when you're under pressure because you just you know your mental capacity to listen and think and reason is is much more reduced so those loft exercises are really very good for having a look at that and it really gives us a chance to to think of uh, for how we might 
uh, improve and, and ways that we can do better next time. So all in all, I thought it was a really good session. I was quite happy with that, and I, I certainly hope that that's the way they continue to run these sessions, combining with the loft training with the special airports. I thought that was a great success. Well, anyway, that's my little segment for this week. Something a little bit different, just a kind of a little uh, audio diary almost of what I've been up to this last week. I've got a few days off now, and I'll be no doubt flying again uh, next week, just as this lovely cold weather has hit us here in the UK. A little bit of snow and everybody's panicking. Oh, well, I'm sure it's the same everywhere. So uh, good luck to you all if you're dealing with this full half inch of snow. And I'll speak to you all again, hopefully on the next episode of Plain Talking UK. Back to the boys in the studio and goodbye to everyone else. The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal? Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pay us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com thanks, thanks for, for listening, listening. Sound Fantastic. Of a Rolls Royce engine. I there. know. It's gorgeous, isn't it? That's actually the noise from this Lego aircraft. Is it? I, I thought I thought you were getting a, a definite yes, radiant sun tan. Yeah, it's absolutely. coming from the uh, engines. At Is the it right from your Lego aeroplane? Hmm. Sometimes, listeners, I I just despair. So, <laughs> thank you very much to the amazing pilot that is Pilot Pip. Yep. He's in the chat room. Thanks for that segment. He Pip. needs to hurry up and become Captain Pip. I think. <laughs> yeah, I I, I I think 2017 could be his year for the upgrade. Yeah. Well, he does a good segment anyway. So he certainly thank does. Thank you. He sent that over this afternoon. He's a captain yeah, in our world. He is. He is. Yeah. So, I uh, hope you all enjoyed that, and uh, hopefully, we'll have another one from uh, Pip for next week's yes. show. Fingers and toes all crossed with knots tied and anything else I can do on a warm day. Woohoo! So we're going to move on swiftly to our next part of the show, which is a little splattering of some interesting military stories. Indeed. So if you're ready, Matt. I am, yeah. And if you're still there, Nev. Oh, yes, still there. Let's go. <laughs> Liz Piper's in the chat room talking about lobster dinners. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. You do realise we're going to have to have, when we get to Pittsburgh, we've got to have one of these famous lobster dinners. Well, it, it's over at uh, Micah's side of the world, isn't it? Over yeah, at uh, Maine, where they have these amazing um, lobsters, yeah. Uh, that's nowhere we'll near... Have to, we'll just have to go My and see Micah. My a bit rubbish. Is it anywhere near... Um, I'm guessing it's nowhere near 
Yankees. I, I don't. You have to ask Micah whether okay. they'll do a lobster dinner in uh, in, in Pittsburgh. Good. Okay, we'll, we'll just have to go and see Micah. <laughs> yeah. There's no. Yeah, he'll have Absolutely. to put. He'll have to find room. For, for us to stay. Quite right, absolutely. So yeah. our first uh, story in the military news segment so this How week. did this become a cooking show? I know. No. <laughs> I've got a Christmas pudding still in the cupboard. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, uh, this one is on, <laughs> uh, is on Flight Global, and uh, it's, uh, it's good news. It's the uh, picture story. Oh. Matt's got some pictures. A and uh, Lockheed, Lockheed delivers the 200th F-35. Who cares? Lockheed Martin has delivered the 200th example of its F-35, an aircraft manufactured for export by Japan. Conventional takeoff and landing aircraft AX-2 is the second of an eventual F-42 uh, F-35As to be produced for Japan Air Self-Defense Force. The first four of these are to be built at Lockheed's Fort Worth site in Texas, with the remainder to roll off a Mitsubishi Heavy Industries run final assembly and check outline in Nagoya. Like lead example AX-1, which was handed over in late November 2016, Japan's second Lightning II was flown uh, to the International Training School for F-35 at Luke Air Force Base, Arizona, Lockheed says. Uh, the UF, US Air Force facility has now received 46 aircraft to support its activities. Fleets analyzer uh, records uh, show the uh, delivered F-35 fleets as being in use with the USAF, US Marine Corps and US Navy, plus program partners Australia, Italy, the Netherlands, Norway and the UK, and export customer Israel. Now you put the pictures on the screen while we're there. We saw these, uh, we had these series at RIA actually last mm. year. Um, for the first time, which was pretty awesome, we had some pictures on uh, on our website for those. Mm. But um, good news then for that two hundredth delivery of that aircraft. Oh, There'll be another two hundred. Talking to come. about food in the chat. Are they talking about again? food again? Oh, dearie me! Oh, I see the word taco in there, Barbara. <sighs> I had those earlier this week. <laughs> Pip had the lobster, apparently, Did uh, Liz. He? I had it, and no, Pip didn't give me a haddock, but I took two aspirin and it went away. <laughs> oh, well. ah, there we oh, go. Well, Got there in the end. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know. Moving on to the next story uh, yes, for you, Matt. Yes, indeed. And this is again on Flight Global, and the headline is Germany to acquire used A321s for VIP missions. Uh, Germany has signed a deal with the Special Mission Division of MRO provider Lufthansa Technik, uh, LHT, for the acquisition and conversion of an Airbus A321 for its Air Force. Uh, Berlin values the agreement, uh, signed on the 5th of January, at 90 million euros. Uh, oh, so it's $96 million, uh, which also includes spare parts and training. Conversion work is due to take place at the LHT's Hamburg facility and will initially be performed to civilian certification standards. Subsequently, it will seek military airworthiness approval for any further modifications, such as the addition of a defensive aids suite. The converted airliner is scheduled to enter service in 2018, says the Defence Ministry, and will be based alongside its other VIP aircraft at Cologne Air Base. Uh, Germany currently operates two ACJ 319s and uh, a pair of A340 wide bodies and four bomb Bombardier nearly did it for Bombardier Global <laughs> 5000 business jets or Bombardier or Bombardier. Uh, <coughs> it's the uh, first one of 2017. It has not detailed the layouts for the conversion but refers to the A321's ability to transport 70 passengers. 
Now, it's one of these um, aircraft that quite a lot of the um, these military uh, mm. setups and stuff use, the VIP transports, mm. and they kind of take a, a passenger aircraft and kit it out, a, a, a bit like Air Force One, I think, in a way, wouldn't you agree, Nev? Mm, absolutely, yeah, yeah, very much a, a, a custom job, and uh, but yeah, very, you know, the, the, these sort of aircraft are, are one-offs, aren't they? Yeah, there's a picture actually. Did you have it on the? We uh, did, yes, yeah, on whilst you're doing it. They've actually got uh, along with the other uh, this uh, 321 for the special mission division. Mm. Uh, they've also got uh, A340s or a couple of A340s. And four Bombardier Global 5000, uh, a, an ACJ319, or 319s, Airbus A319s, but so uh, you can see on the picture there, mm. uh, with the German kind of colour. That's it, there we go, on yeah. the screen there, for you could see on there. Yeah. So if you're uh, listening to the audio podca podcast, it's uh, flightgobal.com. And just search for Germany to acquire used A321s. This, this is this is one of those aircraft that that we would never be allowed on, Matt. I oh think, right, yeah. why is that? Because because it's full of um, things that we we're not allowed to see. Oh. I think you'll find, yeah. What, what like comfortable seats? Yeah, comfortable <laughs> seats. Yeah, <laughs> first class. <laughs> first class, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got uh, an interesting story uh, for you, Nev, to finish off uh, this week's segment, uh, and it's uh, a job that I wouldn't mind actually. Hmm. This is pretty unusual, isn't it? I think uh, might, uh, Matt might have to bring up uh, the pictures here. Yeah, but this we'll is all yeah. about, this is from the Shropshire Star uh, website. Oh, good Lord, um, my vertigo's playing up just looking at that picture. <laughs> oh, my there we are. goodness. It's all about the cleaners <laughs> oh, uh, at oh. the RAF Cosford Museum. Mm. And uh, the headline writers here have said, they are experts who have been roped in to help clean aircraft <sighs> at the RAF Cosford Museum. Oh, I'm yeah, sigh. <laughs> During the clean, the museum will remain open to visitors who can see the high-flying team from total access in action. The team will also be inspecting the suspension cables supporting the aircraft in their flying display positions. Workers have been wearing harnesses and suspended from ropes connected to the metal rafters of the building of the museum at Cosford. The crew will be cleaning the eight suspended aircraft in the Cold War section of the museum, as well as working on some of the large larger planes which are on the ground but are difficult to access. The Cold War exhibition features 19 aircraft, tanks, vehicles, models and memorabilia and is the only place in the UK where people can view Britain's V-bombers, the Vulcan, Victor and Valiant. Uh, there are more than 70 aircraft throughout the museum and some of the bigger aircraft have also had to be cleaned from above. Michelle Morgans, a spokeswoman for the RAF Cosford Museum, said it's something we do every year, usually in January, because it's a quieter time of year. And we've got the team in from Total Access again, who are checking the suspension cables, holding the aircraft, giving them a check and also a good clean whilst they are up there. Um, the air area around the aircraft they're working on is being sectioned off to make sure that it's safe. And then when they finish, they can section off the next area. Meanwhile, museum staff have been keeping their feet safely on the ground, cleaning the other planes, moving some of the smaller ones around and working on other bits of maintenance. And uh, elsewhere, the museum is welcoming a host of new exhibits this year. The Messerschmitt 109 and the Tiger Moth 2 have already been uh, uh, reassembled after being transported by road from the museum's sister site in London. And uh, Michelle Morgan said that the aircraft had already attracted a lot of interest from visitors since they've arrived. Um, so um, soon a Bolton Paul Defiant M1, Gloucester Gladiator 1 and the Westland Lysander 3 will also go on display. 
um, and uh, it's all talking of food. Uh, the Cosford Food Festival will, will be staged at the venue from July the 22nd to the 23rd. There's also open cockpit evenings on the 19th and 20th of May, 15th and 16th of September. And other activities include lectures and scale model shows. That's a fascinating museum. And I've been there once before um, and uh, I'd really like to go again. And actually, I, uh, last year, I, uh, after the Farmer event, uh, one of the um, listeners came up to me and asked for as a possible using it as a possible meetup venue. Oh, it's cool. nicely sort of central in the country, so maybe that's yeah. something to have a look at later this year, possibly. I, but I it's do... a it's a fascinating place, isn't it? I, it, it is indeed, absolutely. I, I do think... I do take one small complaint, <laughs> one small umbrage though with that story. Uh, I, I, it's, no, it sounds like a silly one, but it boasts that it's the only place you can see a Vulcan, and we know very well that, that is completely it? not true because we did a show from inside a Vulcan at Norwich Aviation Museum. Is so, that how they put it in the story that is how they put it in the story so you know i take small umbrage at that um you know i know it's only a small airport and you know or a small museum Mm. in comparison but uh, they have a full-size vulcan there and you can actually you know you can actually go and sit in it but i have to say when you're reading that story matt your face at some of those pictures now is that something you wouldn't like the try being suspended Uh, from a uh hangar roof no no, no, i'd say i get vertigo standing on a chair with with there's no chance of going anywhere near that yeah (laughs) but these these but these these displays mm. that they have in the hangars like this even at Duxford uh, over here at uh, in the UK mm. at Cambridge and that as well not far from us mm. um, you know there's some of the displays that hang from the ceilings in there if you look at them you know mm. they're, they're, they do collect yeah. dust of course they do yeah uh, absolutely you know, like off, anything over so long well yeah, yeah. Gemma would have a field day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Keep her, she'd be, she, she, what, she, she wouldn't sit down for, for oh at least no, two I know, weeks. I know. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So that we, that's uh, the, our last of the military news stories for this week. And, uh, yeah, so we've got uh, loads of stuff planned for, uh, for 2017. We've obviously got our 150th episode coming up uh, soon. Yeah, we haven't. In we, we've, we don't we've really got, know what we're doing yet. We've got we? a few ideas yeah. in the... Uh, ether mm. uh, going around as to what we're going to do for our 150th show uh, we've obviously got uh, a trip coming up at some point soon to uh, london heathrow mm. uh, to the control tower there which is going to be awesome we've also got uh, a uh, go ahead to do a live show from our local airport here at Norwich, yeah, which absolutely. we're in the process of sorting out as well. We are. Uh, to have a live, we're going to do a live show from there, which will be really good as well. Absolutely. And uh, hopefully uh, next week, we're hoping to get a guest on from uh, uh, RAF Bryce Norton mm, to come and have a chat yeah. on the show, which will be really oh, a, good. A, a proper guest, not, not <laughs> some, <laughs> some tech. Nev. Yeah. Nev. Yeah, Nev, but you're Nev. part of the furniture, Nev. Yeah. You know, that's, this, this, this is you're kind. Of, you're kind of here with us now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. right. Okay. In this bunch yeah. of wires here in front of me. <laughs> oh, don't don't let me see the wires. He'll, oh, he'll, he'll have a nervous breakdown. Shh. That's fine. Yeah, it's all, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> oh, so there we go. So there's um, well, there's just there's just tons of stuff happening this there year. Really, it, we've got. Uh, don't forget, we've got Pittsburgh. For those of you uh, mm. listening now, obviously we're in January. Pittsburgh, the air show is in May. Mm. Uh, me and Matt are going to be travelling out to uh, Pittsburgh along with Nev. Nev's coming out as well. Yes, uh, Matt's to really excited. Matt, uh, <laughs> he can't wait to get on the plane. He's, I really can't wait. Yeah. I, I'm literally holding him back now. He's <laughs> yeah, wanting to go absolutely. on the plane now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I want to go and see the Heathrow <laughs> now. <laughs> uh, so we've got that coming up in May. Hopefully some of you guys and girls listening to the show mm-hmm. now and on those of you in the chat room on YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully you'll, you might be able to come over to, uh, to Pittsburgh with us yeah, and uh, meet up with all the fantastic other hosts 
of uh, the geeks and uh, also APG yeah. who are going to be out there. Mm. I can't, uh, I can't wait to meet show. up with the, with the gang again. It I was know. so much fun at Farnborough. It really was. Also, don't forget as well, uh, for those of you who haven't already seen it, Matt, uh, after a heavy amount of editing, uh, released uh, the Farnborough, mm. um, the show. Oh, that was our last show we released. Yeah, yeah, 146. Yeah, yeah, 146. Yeah. So if you want to take your, uh, take your eyes over to YouTube and look at uh, episode 146, yep. um, as well as obviously the audio, you've got an awesome video that we took at Farnborough yeah. last uh, year. Um, the audio had actually, most of the audio had actually been released already um, by the Airplane Geeks, um, but uh, as I say, this was very much the exclusive. And of course, uh, thanks obviously to the legend that is Mr. Mr. Nev from yeah. NevTech because um, we had some wonderful exclusive footage that was also like behind the scenes yeah, yeah. and things uh, that was great as well as a little trip out in the Tristar van yeah, I did notice that on there which was quite nice I think Jeff enjoyed himself in the, in the yeah. Tristar van I should just say listeners and I'm not even joking there is a picture of Captain Jeff, because he is so proud of this picture, of a picture of Captain Jeff sat in the TriStar van with him. It's just like, it, it, I know. it has pride of place. It's, yeah, it's never, never mind his beautiful wife, ladies and gentlemen, and, and all these, <laughs> you know, these lovely wedding photos and things. No, 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 no. A picture of Captain Jeff in the TriStar van has clearly made 2016 you're painting, for him. You're painting this picture of my office upstairs, yeah, Matt. Yeah, it's uh, like a stalker's he's, wall. He's, very, really he's quite <laughs> true, actually. The, the, picture, it, the pictures in my office are of the meet-up at, yeah, at uh, Farm. Not, not a single one of his lovely wife, ladies no, and gentlemen. No, I, I, I <laughs> you must, need to put that right. <laughs> I must get one. <laughs> yes, you must. Hope you're yeah. not listening to this, Gemma. <clears throat> anyway, it's all right. Uh, well, she'll be asleep by this point. Probably. Even she is, so yeah. it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but uh, So anyway, we, we better wrap up episode 147. Yeah. Yep. Uh, next week, uh, Matt is, he's a busy man Friday. I am, yes. I'm going to London. He's going to Londinium. Yeah. Um, so we're going to. I don't suppose you're in London, are you, on Friday, Nev? <laughs> uh, this coming Friday. Yes. I shall check my schedule. I'm, I'm sure I can make. Hey, anyone yeah, who's in absolutely. London this yeah. Friday, coming. Well, I'm going to be parked up oh, till like nine o'clock at go night. See Matt. I've just realised that oh, uh, I should be flying back from Glasgow. Oh, of course you will. Uh, yes. okay. On Friday morning, so uh, oh. I will probably not be in a position so really close. to do that. So, so that's close. a shame. Isn't yes, it is. Never mind. Very true, Sorry. Barbara. I see her every day. Exactly. Yeah, for about well, ten think... minutes. <laughs> yeah, for about um, ten minutes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so we are gonna uh, look. It's gonna have to be Saturday morning because you. Yeah. Because I'm morning. also working Saturday yes. about two o'clock. So I've got a very, very, very busy bus drivey type week ahead. So um, we're gonna do our show next week. Saturday, on 10, Saturday 10 morning, yeah. 10 a.m. Yeah. Yeah, so sorry yeah. to our, sorry our, to our American our, listeners. Yeah. Um, we're going to have to do it early, mainly because otherwise we won't get a show in this week. So, uh, so yes. It, on the subject of the show, if you would like uh, to follow us on the magic that is uh, social media, it is uh, facebook.com forward slash plain talking UK is where you'll find our website. Uh, it's uh, twitter.com and our handle is at plain talking UK. Uh, the website obviously is www.plaintalkinguk.com. If you would like to send us an email, we'd love to receive any. You know, feedback in general. Uh, if you can send us some audio feedback, that would be amazing because we'd love to play it out and you can then literally become part of the show. Uh, it is podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, obviously, a little while ago, we had uh, Pilot Pip, the legend that is Pilot Pip. Uh, he does his own show. He does seg segments for us as well, but his uh, website is www.plainsafetypodcast.com. And um, in fact, actually, he has uh, the fantastic 
um, uh, Christmas edition uh, as his latest episode in this episode, uh, festive episode. I will bring you uh, along with my transatlantic journey uh, to Wichita, Kansas to deliver a Hawker aircraft. This episode was originally recorded uh, uh, as for a YouTube video diary. If you would like to see them, then please visit my YouTube channel. But yeah, definitely worth a watch. Uh, Nev, uh, we, we, we've briefly mentioned that obviously that you're busy next week. Perhaps you'd like to give yourself a bit of a plug. That's very nice of you, Matt. Yes, I, I work for a company called Feltech, and uh, we do uh, broadcast installations, audio visual installations all, all around the world um, for corporates, and we would do some museum and visitor centre work as well. And uh, I get to go out and interview various people um, for a series called Tech Talks that we film. We do about uh, one a month, and uh, some of you may have seen that on our website mm, as well. So uh, yeah. if you see it and you like it and you want to tweet it uh, or retweet it, you'll, yes. be, you'll be very welcome and we'd really appreciate it very as much well. so absolutely i've watched them yeah I have. that's no, really I have. good have well. it's, really it's good. cool yeah, it's absolutely seeing them on see, telly yeah it's very exciting <laughs> absolutely what because he's not on telly now well well yeah, yeah. but i know he's on posh telly <laughs> yeah, yeah, in there he's a suit and everything you oh know. is he yeah, oh, yeah 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 a suit you should see it matt it's really yeah. good Oh, how rude. Uh, a special <laughs> hello as well to uh, Richard Bell, who's uh, who's in the chat room as well at the moment. Richard's having a good old chat with uh, various members of the chat room uh, personages in there. Richard Bell, he's uh, we're going to see him in uh, Pittsburgh. <gasps> in, oh, uh, in cool! Yeah. Oh, very yeah, exciting. Oh. So, and uh, also on that note, a massive thanks to everyone who's joined us in the chat room mm. live this been evening. A very busy evening. Busy chat room. Yeah. They've been chatting away mostly about food. Um, I know. Which, which, out. Uh, I should, I should stress, I am actually on a diet again. I'm, I'm, I'm back I fed to being. Him. Good. I, fed I know. Him I'm, this I'm back on, but back to being good now. And I actually managed to lose six pounds this week, which is very, very, very good. However, uh, this food of talk, this, I, I've, eat, I, I've been here like I, I've had curly fries and and wedge <laughs> and like chicken goujon <laughs> thingies. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and baked beans and then like chocolate biscuits and stuff. So I, I fear my, uh, my, my my weight loss goal may be a little less than hoped this week. But anyway, there yeah, we are. Yeah, quite <laughs> rightly, Micah's has put that Richard Bell is Mr. Wings over Pittsburgh. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Look forward to meeting you uh, this year, Richard. Mm, yeah, can't wait. To, uh, yeah. Good to see you. So on that note, there we're going to bring episode. <laughs> I think Peter oh. UK need a video wall, Nev. Yeah. yeah, so I can always do that. No, well, we'll, we'll leave that to Nev. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I don't even have. Where would we put it? Your wife kills you as it is oh, for no. the, te- the amount of technology. Actually, you, you say that before we close the show. I will say that we we did discuss earlier this week, me, and, me and my lovely wife. Yes, uh, that uh, she's she's going to redecorate my man room. Con- my computer room upstairs, <gasps> my office upstairs. Right, okay, yes. And, uh, Your man cave. My man cave. Yes, okay. And, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I, and uh, I did stipulate that it will have uh, various aviation-themed items hanging from walls <sighs> and stuff. Right. Which did take a lot of bargaining. Negotiating. Negotiating. Absolutely. Um, so how many diamonds has this cost you? Just out of interest. Well, I dread to think... <laughs> But she Absolutely. she has given the go ahead <clears throat> to uh, place. I, I re- recently last year uh, brought uh, a a, emer- you know, a any time to a safety car card right, okay. <laughs> a safety card from British Caledonian Airways for the TriStar right. one of those safety cards really old school one from uh, okay. the uh, late eighties okay. yeah. and uh, I'm allowed to have that framed on the wall which is going to be amazing <laughs> wow I know and also I got I got a schematics drawing of a Lockheed TriStar from Gemma right. and she's also said that I can have that on the wall as well well in your man cave in my man cave oh. <laughs> I don't honestly know. I don't know how, well but honestly she clearly wants something uh, that's it yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I know. I, and if I know Gemma, it will be diamonds. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Uh, 
Gem, I, Gemma is rather partial to some diamonds. I, if anybody I, has any spare diamonds, I'm sure that you've been wanting. It's okay. Them. I'll go on QVC later. <laughs> oh, they're not diamonds. <laughs> they've got some great ones on there. Those those Kubik Sakonias yeah. and um, kiss my sports, sports <laughs> Kostaviskis okay, and all right. those. Expensive what? diamonds. Okay, good. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know somebody who had something to do with uh, with setting all that up at one time. Did did they not, Mister? Did I read that wrong, Mister? 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 Mr. Oh yes, we we've done a bit of work for a couple of the satellite channels. Yes, yeah, yeah, uh, previously, absolutely. and uh, it's quite interesting. Some of those channels that that they look really impressive on television, yeah. but they are absolutely tiny. Oh, I bet uh, they no, are. They're, they're yeah. nothing more than a, a glorified uh, garden shed with a bit of um, soundproofing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And on that and note, on that bombshell, we'll bring episode yeah. one four seven to a close. One four hundred seven. One four hundred. One one hundred and forty point seven. Sixth and three eighths. I'm, I'm, I despair. To a close. Uh, yeah. Don't forget to check out Facebook to find out the links to next week's <laughs> show, which will be on Saturday morning. Don't forget, guys and girls. And a huge thanks to everyone again for downloading the show. For those of you who download the show through <gasps> iTunes and Barbara Podbean. says, Carlos, I have a British Airways Concorde menu. I remember British Cal Lovely Tartan Bears. Very good, very um, good. Whatever Barbara. that is, yes, absolutely. Anyway, sorry, I anyway. interrupted your note. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we're trying to close the show. I, I remember now. Yes. I'm so sorry. on that note, uh, <laughs> thanks everyone again for joining yep. us this week, and a massive thanks to also to Nev. Give him a big round of applause. <laughs> well done, Nev. You're very welcome, guys. Good to be on the show again. Thanks. Yeah, always have a, a great weekend, yep. Nev. And to all our listeners in the chat room, have a fantastic weekend. Hope you uh, don't get too snowed in with all yeah. these massive amounts of snow that we're having oh, here. Oh, stop it. I just saw two flakes go past <sighs> the window. Uh, take care. And, uh, well, <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's going to be a big goodbye. We're going to go to the widescreen. Oh, are we? Oh, are yeah. we? Oh, God. Oh, hello. I'm getting, di- I'm getting directions now, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. There we go. Yeah, absolutely. Him and his silly plane. Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, anyway, from all of us here on the Plane Talking UK podcast, it is goodbye. <laughs>